Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. Boys, we have an absolutely legendary guest here in the studio today, a man who needs no introduction but is going to get a flowery one instead. He is one of the founders of the District 9 Ultras, one of the founders of the 3252, an MLS OG, none other than than our current co-director of active support, Mr. Julio El Chivameor Ramos. <laughs> buenas noches, buenos días, buenas mañanas. Hey, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming in, man. We really appreciate yeah, it. Welcome to SOS Studios. This is, uh, this is an honor for all of us to have you here. You are truly one of the most iconoclastic figures within the North End. It is an honor to have you here, Jefe. But uh, since we have you here, gentlemen, why don't we jump to the conversation at hand? We had a game this past weekend which ended our undefeated streak at the bank. So what were your guys' takeaways from the game? Uh, Avela-less performance. How did it turn out in your eyes, boys? We had a lot of defenders that we had to fight against, man. It was park the bus all game long. We've seen that a couple of times. I, most notably, I remember Chicago coming out and parking the bus against us. I think the difference was that Minnesota came out and, you know, they got a couple late breakaways and some shots fell their way. But I, I think that, you know, that's going to be a strategy that some teams try to use on us uh, in the postseason is just to park the bus and have us play against a lot of players in their in their zone. And, you know, I, I think that if that's really their strategy, we'll have hopefully more opportunities with our electric players. But, you know, obviously not having Carlos didn't help us in that strategy. I'd say this is more of what teams usually do. We just figure out a way to get goals early or execute defensively better. This is not the first time a team parks a bus and plays counter, and they had only a few chances and they scored two amazing goals. It's not like they were goals that were easy one-on-ones against the keeper. They were two extraordinary shots, which LAFC couldn't do either, have shots from the outside, which is one of the only things I was not happy with. I, I thought the possession was good. I thought we looked for spaces, but I think when we had the opening in the top of the box, they should have taken a few more shots just to bring the defense out more to commit because they were sitting so far back that they were giving those shots and we weren't taking them. And then when we did, we were either skying them or giving them right at the keeper, not making any, or forcing saves that gave rebounds because there were so many bodies in the box that would have caused some chaos and confusion. Despite having over 20 shots, what, what did the end up total being? 28, I think it was? Uh, 23. I just pulled up the stats right now. 23 shots. And I, aside from one of them, I don't remember going into any of those shots with one of those heart-clenching moments where you really felt like we had a chance for it to go in. I remember one time Atuesta played a through ball Tareito, and he had a clear chance on goal, which didn't amount to much. But aside from that, I don't remember too many other opportunities in which I had one of those moments where, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I really felt like like the goal was was, was going to happen in that moment. Now, I mean, for this game, I got to be back in the throngs of the 32-52. Mandy, uh, fresh out of chemo last week, uh, just wasn't able to come to the game and might not for a while. So I was able to to rejoin the masses down below. So I spent more of my time watching the gentleman to my right here, Julio, than I spent watching what was going on on the pitch. But uh, it was beautiful to be back in the stands. And, and a moment just a thank you to all the fans that reached out. Some of the best fans in podcasting world out there are our fans and and hats off to i got dozens of messages from people about last week so so thank you to you guys but julio i know you had your back to it most of the time but what were your thoughts amigo 
No, I listen, I think that we can definitely see who are the players missing on the field. And I didn't like the fact that they didn't take many shots. You know, I think they had a lot of open spaces to take shots from outside the box. I only saw one in the second half from Dio, which right. it was pretty close. But rather than that, I, I think that the team was just moving the ball around too much, not being offensive enough, even though we had 23 or 28 uh, yeah. chances according to the stats. But it was only eight on target, right? Like, there you go. Yeah. So that, eight yeah. on target. Yeah. So. At the end of the day, I think that uh, losing a game is not bad. You know, obviously we want to win them all. When the playoffs are so close, I think that Bob has to has to see what is it that he can do and what is it that he cannot do. For example, to me, taking out Rayito, if he was not injured, it was you know that's one thing that made the team weaker in, in my opinion. You I know? agree. Lee, he didn't he didn't look sharp at all, and you can obviously see that K is is a very important key player in the team. Yeah, I think Lee is a good last 30 minutes sub for an offensive kind of spark but I don't think he puts the defensive work that K does and K does both right he can give you offensive the second half of the season he's been more willing to shoot from us outside with both feet and that's something that we needed earlier I think by the time we got into the second half and K was starting to you know involve himself in the game at that point the team Minnesota had confidence defensively and they had momentum and I felt like they were more engaged and felt like, you know, more and more confident as the time went on without us taking shots or, you know, putting their goal in danger. Well, especially, too, because at halftime when we made the substitutions, they we were already down by two. Exactly. So, you know, their strategy of just parking the bus even more yeah. was, you know. It's, it's, I mean, that's that's the only way I feel like we lose. And that's how, you know, RSL beat us last year. It's you park the bus and then count on your two or three offensive dynamic players to make a play against our two or three defenders that are back against the goalie. And if they're able to execute that, especially early on, it was only in the 20s, like minute 25 and 29, there's still two-thirds of the game left. And at that point, they're going to feel confident that if they put nine people behind the ball, it's going to be very difficult, especially with two goals, for you to come back. I feel like last time we had a loss where a team parked and countered against us, we talked about this idea of trying to pass through the bus as opposed to shooting around the bus. And how you and I, Christian, both agreed that on that episode, it would have been smarter for us to try and shoot around the bus than pass through it. And I think once again, in this case, maybe it was a little bit less, at least from my vantage point, of us trying to pass through the bus as it was trying to simply pass across their lines, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And there were so, so many times in which we turned the ball over because we're trying to pass it across a line in which the ball had to perfectly get past two or three defenders in order to get at the feet of another player that you know, simply was in a similar position to where the pass came from. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me uh, from where I was watching in the stands and, and ultimately didn't result in anything, you know, positive heading towards the goal. I mean, I think they were, that's what they were giving you. Yeah, they're not, they're, they were so compact. They were only letting you, if you wanted to pass, to pass around. And when we had the opportunities with the ball in the middle of the, of the field, on top of the 18, we weren't looking for a shot. We were looking for the next pass to break through the line and get into the box instead of, occasionally changing that up so that at least you have the defense guessing making it so like all right he might shoot let me step up at that point it opens up the space for that through pass you know let me ask you guys this though so when we had the one dp spot open before we brought in brian you know we were talking about bringing in someone who is a a striker an attacking uh, an attacking winger or a striker and bringing in brian everybody was excited because then it gave carlos the opportunity to play in the middle but now in a situation like this where Carlos is hurt, 
And yes, we still are, you know, blessed to have, you know, Brian and Diego on our wings to to be able to move the ball in. But then, you know, Adama Diomande, you know, he has seemed like he's gotten tired at the end of games. He usually gets subbed out maybe around the 60th or the 70th. And to not have someone then rotate in to that striker position, is that something that concerns you guys moving into the playoffs? No, because, I mean, in the playoffs we'll have Vela. And so I think that completely changes the whole dynamic of the front three at that point. And, you know, when Perez came in, I'm still just, you know, I think he's in development a little bit. And the whole front line is so young, though. I mean, let's be honest, they they still have years to develop into the kind of players I think we all project them to be. And you have certainly seen flashes of. But, you know, when Perez came into the game, the shots just, you know, again, they just weren't shooting it away from the keeper. Well, this was also Adrian's first game where he got more than like a minute in, I think, like three months. His confidence is in there because of the lack of playing time. Right. So, I mean, you know, and I don't think he's, I I think he's one of our players that hasn't gone out on loan either to go to Tucson or Phoenix or Las uh, Vegas. Las Vegas. I I don't think he's gone out. I think he's been with the club this whole season. And I think he was uh, the only one that that created a a clear chance for the team in the second half. That's true. You know, even though he hasn't played that much for yeah. the team. I, he looked good. I mean, obviously, you know, the lack of minutes in the field, he's going to make you maybe nervous or, or hesitate a little bit. But he looked pretty good. I like the way he played. Uh, when it comes to, to having a number nine, uh, I, I I think that we should have got another one, another uh, uh, central striker. Central striker. At the end of the day, you know, the way the team plays, like like John was saying, Jonathan was saying, um, with Vela, uh, Rosie, and, and, and Rayito, we're going to be fine because... They're, to me, the way I see it, they're going to be rotating a lot. Yeah. So that's going to that's going to get the defense uh, crazy. What I heard that the, the reason why they took Rayito out, don't take my word, but I'm, I'm just saying, is because he was crossing the ball too much, and we never play like that. Yeah, he's not used to the system. He's yeah, been he's here like two, three weeks. So, yeah, so, yeah. so that's why they pull him out, and I guess to tell him that that's not the way you play here. But uh, that's one of the reasons. Um, I guess I I think I still think there was a mistake. He should play the entire game. But yeah, we definitely need. It. Another striker, uh, hopefully, if Celaya, I still have hope in Celaya more than the than both of the Perez. You know, mm-hmm. I think he could he can contribute a lot in the team, but um, I don't know. He's if yeah, he's. Be he, able to. I agree with you. He's more of a number nine. He's a traditional central striker. He's just not of that stature in terms of physicality, but his mentality is. I guess a smaller version of what Dio can do. He's probably a little more shifty, and in terms of instead of being strong, but he hasn't had his reps. And I, I honestly myself. I questioned his fitness. If we question Dio's, like his his has been questionable. I haven't seen him look fitter since he's gotten here, and I know he's putting in the work, but maybe he's not putting in the diet. I don't but know. It, it just it just you know makes you wonder though, like where the depth chart is for Bob. Right, the the people that we had as substitutes for this last game when Carlos was not playing, Adrian Perez that were four like four of strikers. Right, Adrian Perez, Josh Perez. And that's it. Other than that, we had Mark Anthony Kay, uh, El Munir, uh, Tyler Miller, Danilo, and Stephen Betashore. Like the we had four defensemen, or I'm sorry, three defensemen and one midfielder and two strikers, and and the two strikers that we had, the two Perez's. I mean, they. I mean, Josh Perez just scored his first goal two weeks ago. So these are both people that have not really had a lot of minutes, let alone a lot of goals. And you know, I feel like the few minutes that. Fito has played, I feel like he shows flares of the ability to put it in the back of the net. So you wonder if it is a game when Carlos wasn't playing, you know, what is it about 
Fito and you know maybe it's his fitness or who who knows what. It's also his defensive you know, he, commitment. He doesn't have it. Well, it's, but I mean he played he yeah. played didn't he play 90 minutes for Las Vegas for that one game that he played I for? I mean them? and in this yeah. game did he really need to have any defensive commitments? I mean they're putting 11 guys behind the ball, 10 guys well, behind. Right, the and ball. not only that too, then you look at the people that they subbed in too. Uh, you know Adrian Perez, and then they they put a, it was like four four strikers at one point, or not strikers, but four forwards at one time with Latif, uh, Dio, Rossi, and then Perez. We know? also haven't seen what Zelaya can do with the full team around him. I mean, we've seen Zelaya for what? What I mean, a few minutes of a couple games, but we haven't seen him, you know, with the full A team out there, you know? And so we don't know what he can do when he's getting the kind of service that, you know, he would get from, uh, you know, an Atuesta or a K or a Blessing or a Vela. Some of my takeaways for this batch and matches like this is now that we Vela's hurt, we know what the rest of the team can and cannot do, right? So um, we need to be able to plan for this. So Bob is getting a chance to do that before the playoff happens and while first place is locked for the most part. It is a good time in the season to see this rotation, but speaking of rotation, maybe let's transition into the game coming up this weekend because after international call-ups, by my math, we're only left with like two midfielders, right? So who who's going to play in the midfield? Because I'm pretty sure our entire midfield just got called out. So mm. someone's going to have to play it's just out like of Latif, position basically, there. Yeah, right? it's Latif and uh, Win. Yeah. I, so I mean, are we not going to play a four-three-three then in Orlando? Like, what's what's going to happen? There's somebody's going to have to play out of position there. I would assume. Uh, I will put Munir on top uh, in front of Harvey, <laughs> and then uh, the the Paris on the top with uh, Rayito. Oh, well, Rayito never staying, right? Uh, I think Raito got called up. No, he actually got called to the senior squad for yeah, Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Palacios is out. Uh, he's out. K's out. I mean, so I mean, I you know, I mean, Twista, right? Twista's yeah, under twenty. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. the under twenty-three squad yeah. for Colombia. And uh, I mean, and then yeah, Zimmerman. So um, as Zimmerman's well. gone too. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, so especially if Carlos sits out on this game that's coming up against Orlando, he has to play. So Fito. Uh, well, but yeah. see, but Bob also <laughs> said that he's also. On, on the, on the oh well, yeah, someone would call him. The Los Cobos called him. That's um, true. But um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Bob said that if Carlos isn't ready, he goes, I, you know, pretty much. He, so he, he are we going to have a dra- open draft? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, like, just, no, but I mean, he, so we have I mean, Danilo. We have. We have the dude that. Well, I mean, we have we have plenty of guys that with defense, right? We have Lamar Batista, yeah. we have Danilo Silva. We're still gonna have Eddie Seguro and Tristan, Tristan Blackman. Blackman yeah. We're gonna have Harvey and Betashore, right? Yeah. So we know that our defense will be covered. But it's it's the midfield. And El Munir, right? Josh could play in the middle. I mean, yeah. you could put him in there. He I could, mean, I he's think, gonna be I more of a win type point. offensive. Oh, you're saying Josh Perez? Josh Perez, yeah. yeah. So I mean, we could have Win, Blessing, and Perez. Uh, Josh Perez in the middle, and then. Up top would be uh, Diego Rossi, Adama Diomande, and somebody else. And Carlos Vela. Yeah, if but I mean, again, that's, if he plays, but that's asking for ninety minutes of Dio, though. I get. Well, he gave yeah. ninety minutes yeah. uh, on Sunday. It's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to be unpredictable at this point what we're going to see this weekend. I don't think anybody knows except for maybe Bob and a few people. In I that think it's a good room. challenge for for our team. You know, it's a good challenge for Bob to see. To see who could, who 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 he can depend on when it comes to to important games, even though like we we already qualified to the playoffs, mm-hmm. I think we're still fighting just to make sure we get the supporting shell. Um, but at the end of the day, things like this uh, before the playoffs and when you don't have n- much to lose, help you know they help a lot. So hopefully, he yeah. can he can get the the best out of it. So where are you going to be watching the game this weekend, Hefe? Man, we have the three different viewing parties, so. I don't know yet. <laughs> Where, oh, are those all D9U? Uh, yeah. 
So I think there's Bakersfield is having a watch party at uh, Senor Pepe's. Mm -hmm. uh, the clubhouse is going to be having a party in North Hollywood. Obviously, there's going to be stuff going down at the fields. Uh, we have, obviously, D9 New Atlanta is going to have a watch party out there in Georgia. Uh, Portland Group is going to have a, their, their watch up there in Portland, which you can get all that information on the page. What else is going on here? And then we have a, a joint uh, watch party with a Prime Republic. And then we're also having a watch party in South Central. I don't have the info with me right now. But yeah, we have several parties. The Pride Republic's down there in West Hollywood, right? Yeah. Top Hats, yeah. I think, is the name of the one. Yeah. I just I yeah. talked to Chris uh, at the Galaxy game. So there's going to be ultras everywhere. There's going to be watch parties going off everywhere. So. By the way, we, we have our second uh, clubhouse coming soon. And we're going to announce it with... And it's a really, really nice name. It's owned by LLC fans. And it's going to be badass. It's three miles away from the stadium. Oh, wow. Wow. Nice spot. Well, I love the spot in North Hollywood. It's right next to the, the bus orange stop. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect, man. <laughs> Just hop on right by my house. Hop off there. Get borracho. So, is that clubhouse <laughs> going to be a D9U clubhouse, or is that going to be kind of like a thirty-two fifty? Well, it's all of our clubhouses is open for everybody. You know, obviously it's 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 a D9U clubhouse, but it, our goal is to have everybody, any LFC fan. You know. Yeah, so, whether you're in an SG or, or unaffiliated, I mean, you don't have to be in an SG. For example, the one here in North Hollywood, I think that it would, it would be badass for LSC fans to make the tradition of whoever lives in the Valley, you hang out there before going to the game, have a couple of beers, take the Metro, go to the stadium, and, and then the, the instead of staying at free play, come over here and, and you do the, do the, the, the after mm -hmm. party at the clubhouse here in North Hollywood. Brilliant. And that will be the same thing over there in, in, in L.A. So we want everybody to, to join us you know, at the end of the day. You know, we're all family. And, and yes, it's a D&U clubhouse, but most of it, it's, it's an LFC clubhouse. Yeah. It's that kind of brilliance that should put you in the leadership role. Oh, oh, wait, wait, you are in the leadership role. That's right. <laughs> um, so why don't we go ahead and transition to, uh, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Mr. Julio Alchiva Mayer Ramos. That's right here. So uh, I think everyone who knows anything about LAFC, even some people who don't know anything about LAFC, certainly recognize you as an iconic figure. I mean, you've been you know, a cornerstone in the L.A. soccer scene for, for many, many years. But maybe a lot of our, our English-speaking listeners out there don't know the Julio story. So why don't you start in Mexico and tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what soccer culture was like there and coming to the United States. Definitely. You know, I, I was born in Guadalajara. Uh, my dad worked for a club Guadalajara for more than 25 years. So since I remember, um, I've always been to a stadium. You know, I have... The, had the pleasure to of you know meeting players and interacting with them because my dad used to work for the club, so to me football you know since since I was born literally you know it's it's been like my religion. Yeah. Um, club Guadalajara is you know for the people that doesn't know, they are more than just a team. They are they are a culture. They they are uh, a religion for for our, for our country. Yeah, and. Um, and it's beautiful to have, to follow a team like them because they represent the city, they represent the country, they represent um, the beautiful sport. And uh, and being able to, to grow, you know, with that, uh, with you, uh, you know, on, on hand by your father, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing. I, I can't complain. <laughs> so, what were some of those experiences like as a child? Well, my uh, godfather, godfather, he he played for Guadalajara. Oh. So he will introduce me to guys like Javier Aguirre, you know, one of my favorite players, Suli wow. Ledesma, which I think he's a Nomar García Esparra uncle. Um, so you know, it was it's 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 those are just experiences that 
even as a little kid, you know, going to the Christmas parties of the club and, and seeing the players there, you know, being able to go on the field and uh, and uh, and see all the all the fans around, you know, from the field in the stadium when you're like five year old, it's it's just crazy, you know. It's uh, again, I always say that I've, that I've been blessed by the gods of football, you know, uh, since I was a little kid, and there's many reasons why. <laughs> So how did the transition from Guadalajara to Los Angeles happen? You know, we were always looking for a better life. You know, my, my dad uh, started working for Club Guadalajara. He moved to L.A., and then he brought us here. I got here when I was uh, 15 years old, and, you know, with, always with, with the football in my head, you know. And uh, coming to L.A., it wasn't that hard because right here, you don't even need to speak English, you know. It's, uh, it's easier for you. You can get by. You can, you can get, get by, by without speaking English. But, but at the end of the day... Um, when it comes to football, you know, it's a very, since I got here, it's always been a very passionate city about the sport. You go to any park and you will see people playing football, not not as much as right now, but we were always here, we've always been here. And um, so when it comes to that, it was very easy for me, you know, going to high school, having the experience of playing for, you know, in high school, it was it was amazing. And and, and, and it was an easy transition for me, you know, it wasn't that hard. Did, did, you, did you grow up in the Valley? Yes. Yeah. And where you were, like, which high school you were saying? Polytechnic High School. Oh, you went to Poly. Poly Parrot, baby. My, right. uh, my Panorama? Dad, my dad went to uh, St. Genevieve, and I actually graduated from St. Genevieve, too, so it's just, but my grandparents live uh, right down the street from Poly and uh, Fernandez Park. So, nice. I mean, I grew up, I, I grew up playing on that field. I did the Sun Valley Falcons for Pop Warner football and stuff like <clears> that, so I was always at Poly, so yeah, I... You know, you see that, like you're saying, though, the culture, though, it's definitely, yeah. it was, for the last... You know, I'm 31. So for the, you know, for the last 25 years that I could remember much, it's it's always, it's always been a part of LA. Especially that side of the valley. Yeah. It's football has been huge. Yep. So there. did you play growing up uh, with any clubs, or did you ever play like in high school? I played in high school. Yes, I played for the high school team. Not with clubs, because you know. Um, they didn't exist back then. Yeah. No. And if you want to be part of a club, they're expensive. They are. Even even nowadays, like. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous the amount of money they want to charge, you know, to, to train the kids or, or for them to be able to be in the club. But, uh, yeah, I was in high school. I played for, for my high school, and, and it was a great experience, you know. Again, football has always been uh, in my veins. It's always been my life. And uh, being able to, to experience that, in, like, playing, playing in high school is a very, it's a very beautiful experience, you know. What position do you play? It's so funny because they, the the coach uh, the entire season he was he, I was training as a defender and then all of a sudden when my first game that I played for varsity he put me as a forward so so I was playing defense and forward. All right. Yeah. So, you're you're like Latif you're all over. All over. I wish I was like Latif like at least ten percent. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so then does does your whole family not like so you have kids right? Yes. And and so in the same light where you grew up with your father with uh, Chivas Guadalajara. Now you here with LAFC and previous LAFC, you're with Chivas USA. You know, do your kids, do they get the same exposure that you feel? Definitely. And, and what, I mean, how old, are you, how old are your kids now? I have a 19-year-old, 15, 12, and 5. So one of the reasons, for example, when Chivas USA came out in 2005, first of all, you know, Chivas, you know, they represent the team that I love. Um, but mo more than that, you know, it, it was an opportunity for me to be able to do what my dad used to do with me, which is introduce me to the football culture, be in the stadium, you know, every 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 other weekend, and take my kids and I and my kids, they were literally born in the stands, you know. Um, they have the 
they've been in the stands forever since, since especially my my 15 year old. Um, he was one when Chivas USA came along, and since then we have never stopped going to the stands, you know, and supporting, teaching them what it's about. And I can tell you that every single one of them is very passionate about about the sport, about about LAFC, about football, and and that's something that I have always wanted to to be able to do with my with my kids, you know, because at the end of the day, to me, football is more than just a sport. You know, football is a form of life. Uh, football is more than 90 minutes in the field. I think it, it's something that can help you become a better person, uh, walk away from drugs, walk away from the gangs, being able to have goals, and also being able to change lives. And at the end of the day, that's something that I want that I want my kids to understand and I want my kids to continue the, the culture with their kids because I think it's amazing. So speaking of cultures, can you explain the transition from following Aliga Yamekis Chivas to following an MLS Chivas? What was that like? What was that shift like when you went from being a Chivas fan of the team in Guadalajara to the fan, the team here in Los Angeles? To me, it wasn't, again, it, it was easy because I used to go to every other weekend to the stadium out there. So having the chance to do that over here, it was it was, it was was the same for me, you know? Uh, the, the, the football quality was not the best, but at the end of the day, I'm, like I always say, you know, it's not about the 90 minutes on the field. It's about what what is around it. You know, so having the opportunity of going with my kids to the stadium, introducing my family to the sport and, and to the culture of it. Because at the end of the day, you know, football is a culture. And, you know, it, it wasn't as, as bad as many people think. I think Jonathan and I are in the same boat that we both never. I mean, Jonathan had his one infamous season of soccer, organized soccer, but that didn't last long. But I never played organized soccer and I didn't really start watching soccer until I was in college. Um, but it does, you know. This this club has, uh, and I I had no idea about that. This soccer was more than just a game, right? And right. now you talk about how it is very much a culture and a religion, and you know it can it can change lives. Whether it's in you know getting people on the straight and narrow path, or whether it's just getting people to understand and buying into the culture and and the plan and the belief. And you know I think that that's that's evident here with us because you know I've like I said I still to this day I've never played a game of soccer in my life. But I'm enamored with this club. Mm-hmm. I, I just I can't stop feeding the information off of it. And so much so that it's like we, we went out and we started a podcast, you know. And, yeah. and you have a podcast too, Somos LAFC, right? And it's just, it's just it shows you that it's like you just can't get enough from just watching the games once a week. You know, you want to know what the practices are like. You want to know how the players are developing. You want to know about transfer rumors. You want to know about coaching strategies, about other opponents. And it's just it just builds and builds and builds. And I've played sports my whole life, right, baseball and hockey and football. And no other professional sport is like this. It's just I, I can't explain it, you know. Well, football has the power of uh, making people speak the same language, you know. Uh, football has the power of literally make the world stop. Um, football has the power of creating peace, even though there's huge rivalries when it comes uh, to wars, real world wars, not BS world yeah. <laughs> wars. Uh, football has the capacity of stopping that, whatever is going on around the world. You know, right. yeah. like when you talk about the World Cup and how it yeah. brings the world together for the two months that we're watching, you know, on the biggest stage, all of our country's teams and. I mean, it's that's a perfect. Going example. back to what you said, similarly, like it's it's generational, right? Like similar to you, I didn't go to the stands as much as you did growing up because there was there wasn't as many teams in the U.S. growing up for me. But I was at the park every weekend, just like you said, and um, it's a team sport. But it's 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 crazy to me because I didn't feel this kind of um, 
inclusion in a club until this club came about where I'm, I want to add layers. Like you said, going back to what you said, Chris, the podcast, like I want to give now an opinion or express it. And everyone is finding a way in the stands or in the stadium to do that. And it could be with like wearing the Jersey or adding your own element, making pins, podcasts, um, Instagram posts, starting supporters. Uh, it's, supporters it's, groups, yeah. So ev- everyone feels it's in fashion the, design. Exactly. The team, the team is making the city feel like they have an additional outlet or layer that they can add to the team's flavor. Um, and that's, to me, very powerful. Of course. To me, the key of success for LFC is that, for some reason, we found the formula to make people see that this is the football that they were waiting for. Well, I think that you also have a lot of people here in Los Angeles that watch European soccer. Definitely. And so because they watch European soccer, they see what it's like. When you look at things like Borussia Dortmund or you look at things like Liverpool and, and the Cop or you look at some of these other yeah. world-famous uh, these clubs and you see the fan base, you see how much, whenever you watch a documentary about it, that they always are talking about how the, the city revolves around the club. If the club is in the top flight, they do well. If the, the club comes down, like uh, Sun, uh, what Sunderland? Is it? Yeah, Sunderland Till I Die, yeah. how it talked about how they went from the Premiership down to Championship down to... Uh, League One, mm-hmm. and it just shows that it, there's a, there's an adverse effect on the economy. And so yeah. when you have a community that builds around it, and so they see that, they're like, oh, that'd be great to have here. And then it came. And well, people are like, oh, man, let's 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 get involved. Well, like I always said, any time I have a chance, I always mention this, um, football culture in, in, in Los Angeles has always existed. Always. Yeah. You know, the only problem that we... The, the Angelinos never never felt like there was a team that will that will represent them as as as, as Angelinos. And LFC has done that. They like like I said, we have found a formula. Not even El Tri. Mexico, when they come and play here, yeah, they can they can put a hundred thousand fans in the stands. They can fill the but when but when it comes to uniting to support the national team, you won't get that because you got you get you get uh uh guys from, from Pumas from America from Cruz. Yeah. Fighting against each other in the stadium, but when it comes to LFC, listen, I know I know guys from Barra Brava. Barra Brava is like the hooligans mm-hmm. of, of of the Mexico and Central America, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And and they they will probably fight with each other if they were not with LFC. And right now you see them on the stands together, guys guys from America, from Pumas, from Atlas, from Chivas, from Arsenal, from Manchester, from uh, from Chelsea, from yeah. Fas, from Firpo, from Aguila. So. That formula, it's it again. It's it was not easy, but at the end of the day, the what what we're doing is is more than just us. It's more than just the game. It's about the community. It's about the city. It's about building a legacy, and and that's why we're so different than the rest. You know, we have built in a couple of years what many here in the United States yeah. haven't been able to build in decades, and that's so strong. You got to see Chivas. You know, form, grow, and fade away. What did Chivas do that missed the mark that LAFC has done right? The first thing, the name. The second thing, underestimating the league. For example, one of the mistakes that I, that I believe was a huge mistake, they were open the doors for the Latino press and not too much like for the LA Times or for the English speaker people at the beginning. Huh. That was a huge mistake, you know? I, again, underestimating the league, thinking that they were going to bring players from the third division and they were going to tear apart. That was another big mistake. And and not believing in the project themselves. 
you know, is, is what made it. At the end of the day, it was just business for them. Listen, they pay $5 million for the franchise. It's peanuts now. They ended up huh. getting 150 75 for the MLS, 75 for Regatta. So they didn't lose a single dime. It, it, it was all about that, you know. It was all about making money. Wow. Well, that's sad. I mean, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think about that, though. You know, it's like... Uh, you know, I, I think that one of the things that makes Chivas Guadalajara stand out more than any other team in uh, uh, Liga Mekis is their roster. You know, Chivas Guadalajara has a 100% Mexican uh, roster, uh, nation, their nationality for all the players. And so I think that, you know, I don't know if any of that carried over to when Chivas USA came over here and like how you're saying about how they, they wanted to limit the, the accessibility of the press and stuff like that and... You know, I, I don't know, but it, it seems like there was an opportunity there that was just missed, right? Like there was, if there was this this uh, Los Angeles culture, you know, I also think the location was a big a big issue for where they played because they were sharing the stadium. It was like the the little brother and and to the LA Galaxy, and and they were also, um, you know, they were looking to do the formula differently. You that, know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. One one for the one thing that for sure was. They were trying to do was build a stadium right in the heart of Los Angeles, and that's where our stadium is at right now. That, that's I I saw everything. Nobody told me like, oh, it's not a rumor. I I read the documents. I saw everything. They were planning on on building a stadium, you know, right where the sport arena was. Um, things happen, you know. They, they uh, when they put everything in a balance, MLS they don't they don't want to have them anymore, you know. As an ownership group. As an ownership group. So they said, you know what? We'd rather sell the team, make millions, literally a lot of money, and then just, you know, move on. But in the plans of, of Chivas USA, um, they were definitely trying to get that spot. They were, they were trying to build a stadium where we have our stadium right now. So when, when they sold the franchise, when MLS sold the franchise, they sold the franchise with, with the, one of the conditions was for, for, for the new owners to build a stadium at the sports arena. And uh, and that's where we have our, our beautiful cathedral, you know. At the end of the day, things happen for a reason. I think that the Chivas USA um, had to happen for us to have what we have right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to supporter culture, there's a difference, like, from before Chivas USA and after Chivas USA. When when Chivas USA came in the league, they, they came to show the rest of the teams how to support a team, you know. La Legion, when when they when they were for the first two two years, they took it to another level. Seattle, you know, copied a lot of things. I mean, most of the most of the rest of the, of the teams around the league, they were like, "Hey, we can do that." You know, we can bring more drums, we can bring more flags, we can do tiras, we can do confetti. We can. They learn a lot from La Legion, and it was it was like supporter culture 1.0 or 2.0 after La Legion. Right now, it's at another level. And La Legion is the name of the supporters group for Chivas USA? Yeah. Okay. Just, you know. It was a, a one, 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 of, of, yeah, one of the supporters groups for Chivas USA. So in your experience, was there a lot of Latin-style support in MLS prior to Chivas USA, or was the MLS more of a European-style support? No, no, you had the Barra Brava um, from, from, from D.C. Mm-hmm. You had a Batallon in Houston. Uh, then the guys from Dallas, I, I forgot the name right now. Um, no, there was a, there was a couple of them that, you know, the, come on, Latinos, we, this is our country. 
too, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean. So, uh, yeah. so we've always been here. So again, yeah. there's and they were expressing the way they support football because that's what they grew up with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not as again, not as big as as what you see right now. Right. But they were they were out there. They they just couldn't find a way. And and for example, the 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 ones that came and and you guys can search it if you want to with the biggest tifo and the MLS. The first one was she was USA was the La Legión. And then, and then after that, that's that's where Seattle started doing all, all their badass tifos that they do, and obviously then Portland. Yeah, Portland. So, but, what was La Leon doing that was different than what we were already seeing in the MLS? Aside from you mentioned the tifo, what are some other things? Well, the, you know the passion and the stance. You know, bringing it for ninety minutes, uh, South American style. You know, it, we will see it here, but with little, little cells of it. Not not like five hundred or a thousand. They used to be where the where the ABC is now, you know. Th- that was their section. So again, I mean, it, they they brought something new for the MLS, and 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 that's one of the one of the good things that that she was just say brought to to the football culture here in the United States. For those of you that don't know, the uh, ABCs that Julio is referencing is the uh, Angel City Brigade, but that is a running joke that they are the ABCs. And those are the ones that are on the uh, what is that the north, north side end. Of the, north north side of the stadium at uh, Dignity Hill Sports Park. Running might be too active a term to apply to them, but <laughs> we'll leave that be. Um, of the many things that we took as positives from Chivas USA that we have adapted in LAFC, uh, supporter culture is certainly at the forefront of that. But one other thing that came from it, obviously, were people like yourself. And and I'm curious, when did the name Chiva Mayor come about? Where did that come from? <laughs> what well, you know, since I was uh, middle school in Mexico, they always called me Chivo Mayor. Number one reason, I always look, if, if you can, I guess, my age. Everybody thinks that I'm 60, but I'm not. You know, so since I was going to middle school, they, 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 I would look old. You know, they, they thought I was a teacher, same thing in high school. So they, and they know how, how of a Chivo fan I am. So they would start calling me Chivo Mayor, you know, like for that and for because of my love for the club. So this originated all the way back in high school. All the way, you know, in Mexico, we always have nicknames for everybody. Yeah. So that's funny. <laughs> Chivas USA folded. Uh, you know, we've had uh, Lord Commander on here. We've also had story time with Ray on here. So you know, we know some of the the origins of how Don Don, Don. Garber. Thank you, yeah. Don Garber came out and he said the next day after that he had told you guys like, hey, we're gonna get another club here in Los Angeles, and so you know, but. But tell us your side of, of the, the, the story of how LAFC started and what are some of the things about the origins of the club that we just haven't, might not have heard yet. Let me start by speaking about the last day of Chivas USA. You know, it, it was bittersweet. Um, Nelson Rodriguez, which I think he's like the number one devil right now in the MLS because he's with Chicago and they're trying to disappear Chicago and he was with Chivas USA and they disappeared. <laughs> um, he told us one of our biggest concerns was that the, the franchise not staying in Los Angeles. Um, Las Vegas wanted it, San Diego, uh, Austin, Texas, you know. So uh, we talked to him straight up, like, hey, listen, man, you got you to gotta let us know, man. Like, are we going to have a team or not? Because I'm definitely not going to go support Carson, you know, if, when we don't have a team in L.A. So we want to know what's, what's going to happen. And uh, and I remember the last game, even the players, they didn't even know if it was going to continue, you know, for a couple of years, and then, and then they were going to change the name or if it was going to just die. And that day he told us, you know what, don't worry about it. You guys are gonna be fine. You know, the, the new the new ownership, the guys that buy the franchise, they have a huge project for the club, it's gonna stay in LA. You guys you guys are gonna you guys are gonna be happy. 
And I remember that day, um, I cried like never before. You know, I give the best years of my life to a club um, that it was dying in my hands. You know, at the end of the day, at the bottom of my heart, I knew that it was necessary for them to die because they were not bringing uh, what we needed as, as, as fans of the, uh, you know, as LA fans. And, um, and we needed something better, you know. I see, like, for example, which was Guadalajara, when, when, they, uh, when they started, their, their original name was Club Union. Two years, two years later, they decided to change the name to Club Deportivo Guadalajara so that it could represent the city more. So that's the way I see it, you know. That's the way I wanted to see it, you know, that, you know, it had to happen so that we can have a, a real team that it was going to represent Los Angeles. Um, that day uh, in the afternoon, you know, she was going to say die on a Sunday, and then I believe it was on a Wednesday, October 31st or, or 30th, I, I get a call from, from Don Garver and Nelson saying that I was invited um, to the presentation of, of the new franchise, LAFC. And um, I took Ray because him and I are always together. And, and I don't know if he told you the story or not, but... Uh, <laughs> we heard Ray's well, the, version. Yeah, the, yeah <laughs> like Ray had version. to sneak in, right? Uh, yeah, hey, I was like, hey, Ray, hold on, dude. I'm trying to get you in, you know? And he's like, what? I'm already, I'm already on the top floor drinking beer. I'm like, what the <laughs> So anyway, we, we were actually the, the, the only two fans present when the franchise was announced, you know? And since, since that day, you know, we have never take the our foot out of the pedal, you know. At the beginning, yes, there was a little bit of a animosity with the new ownership because they, they didn't want to have nothing to do with Chivas USA. I got to say that, you know. I had a, a couple of not too friendly conversations with our president. But then after a couple of gatherings with him, he understood that it was more our team than his team, even though he put money and I didn't. And the rest is what you see right now, you know. So describe your early involvement in the formation of some of the ideas and the themes and the culture behind LAFC and how that became a 3252. Definitely. Number one thing that, that the, again, we wanted to learn from the mistakes, which was you were saying. That's one thing I told Tom. I told him, he would ask, like, so what is it, what can we take from them that is going to help us be successful? I told him, listen, get the resume and all the bad things they did, don't do them. You know, that, that's what you got to focus on. Not the good things. It's the good things you're going to do them anyways. Just focus on the bad. One of them was, you know, again, opening the, just open the door to the press. Everybody. Not just one single group. You know, make sure you represent the city. Make sure you have a, a stadium that is, that is going to be built near downtown. And I, the reason I told them is we've been to many stadiums in the MLS. And the most successful ones when it comes to to passionate fans and showing up to every game, Seattle, Portland. Why? Because they're in downtown. That's logistics too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those are the little things that that we, that we talk about. You know, um, when it comes to the thirty-two fifty-two, we understood that there was going to be a lot of groups since the beginning. We already had, you know, back in the day, the Union Ultras and the Black Army, and there was, you know, guys trying to start to start their own thing. So. Once we saw the, the other groups forming, we said, you know what? We have to have something like Portland, you know? Portland, there's little chapters w- within the Portland Timbers, but at the end of the day, they're all, they, they are all under one umbrella name, and that's the... Timbers Army? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Timbers Army. And that's something we wanted to have, and we pushed for it until it happened, you know? Uh, the name of the 3252, 
Dude, we spent, I remember we spent one meeting from 7 p.m. to 3 in the morning trying to decide what what what, what the name was going to be, what the umbrella name was going to be, and we couldn't even, we couldn't decide the name. Literally, to 3 in the morning by Anaheim. Um, then all of a sudden, we had a meeting uh, with the front office, and they tell us how many how many spaces there is in the north end, and, and we look at the number like it's, it sounds good, yeah, <laughs> it has a, a ring to it, and 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 that's why we got the the thirty two fifty two. But it was a, a long a long procedure. It's funny because right now you see a lot of people, you know, LFC fans, you know, they, they think that they know everything about the club, and um, and they don't even know how this all started, you know, especially the name. Well, that's part of the reason we have this podcast because we want to have people like you that were involved early on to be able to share those stories so that people get more familiar with the beginnings of it and not just what's happening now, which is kind of a phenomenon in the city. But there was a lot of foundational and groundwork that was laid by a lot of, you know, people that were there from the beginning. You know, what's crazy is, um, so I went to the event that LAFC held where they announced the 3252 Mm -hmm. and uh over in the arts district in downtown la and it was in that like hangar area and there were people that were painting all the different uh supporters groups and stuff like that and there was an artist that painted the 3252 logo with the six piers and stuff like that and i'm standing there and i I mean i didn't know you know because i again i i had no idea about soccer culture and i had no idea about the supporters groups and stuff and i just i wanted to know more about this club and i wanted to be involved so i went to the thing and i went with my son and at the time he was like two but you know i saw the drums and the flares and i was like man what is this what it was so then i saw the announcement of the 3252 and i just i didn't know anybody and i didn't have the courage i guess to go up and ask anybody but it's just one of those things where it's like you hear how much work went into just even coming up with the name let alone all the planning of all the other supporters groups and things like that and you're just like man i was at that event i was at that event i didn't know what it was at the time but i know what it is now right like and and it's just it's it's really nice to know that you know i have that memory that's one of the things i love about this show in particular is that we get to hear these, in some cases, maybe the same story, but you get to hear it from so many perspectives, right? And, you know, I mean, just because Ray's talked about it doesn't mean that, that, that Julio's take on it was the same. You know, I mean, they both, everyone gets to sort of throw their threads into this fabric, and then it, you can sort of step back and see the weave as a whole as to how all these things came together, things that we take for granted nowadays, things as simple as a name, 3252. Oh, well, it's the number of seats. Duh, it makes perfect sense. People don't realize the blood, the sweat, the tears, the 3 a.m. meetings, the the arguments probably back and forth over various (laughs) names and ideas and and how much passion went into these small things. Now, can you mention some of the other names that didn't get that I mean, obviously it's the thirty-two fifty-two, right? But can you? Is it? I mean, is it a case? Listen, is this like football, man? Whatever happens on the field, it stays on the uh, field. From my end. <laughs> if someone else wants to mention it, that's on them. I'm just curious to know what you some know, of these but, other names. We've, we've, we've heard, we've heard a couple of them on yeah. the show before. They've mentioned terms like the Armada was one. Oh, that was, that's right. Was kicked around yeah. for a while, and a few others. But there, there, there was a bunch. But but again, it, none of them would make sense until we found the thirty-two fifty-two. When it when it comes to the, to the stadium, you know. It's funny when I read or when I hear people saying, "Ah, yeah, this is made by a focus by a focus group." Yeah, right. They never give you the, the opportunity to to literally tell them what to build in the stadium. No, they did. They did it. They did. You know, for example, couple stands at the beginning. Uh, people was like, "No, what do we want couple stands for? Like, we're not even gonna be like too many of us." That was their that was their vision of it, not my vision. 
you know. So definitely, capital stunts is they're necessary because um, you, you're able to control masses, you know, especially what we have right now. Number two, safe standings. Number one reason why we ask for safe standings for the people that doesn't know, even people that are, that have been here with the club for years, the reason for safe standings is all the time in Carson, we will have a huge problem because we wanted to stand on the on the bleachers, right? So they were always kicking the, our, our guys out because of the we were on top of the bleachers. So safe standings was very important for us to be able to do what we do in the stands right now. And and the third one, the idea came from the fans, the supporters bar. You know, we wanted something that was going to be ours. And I, I really don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't like it. I don't like the way it is. But I like the fact that they that they customize it for a 3252, that they have $4 beers, and that they that they listen to us when it, when it comes to having a supporters bar. The lines are still a little bit long, but I like the bar itself for sure. And I remember in those early questionnaires they sent out to those of us who had put money down that wanted to be in the supporters section, and they, they would ask us, what are the things you want? Safe yeah. standing. Safe standing. Safe yep. standing was at the top of my list every time as well, too. They also and, asked for, like, a, a range of prices and types of food. I remember that. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this, I'm glad we have some input. <laughs> I still wish we had some hair and hand tashes so I could carry more beer around then. <laughs> yeah, that's, but that, that's in the works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so can you describe your role currently within the 3252 and how it grew from season one to season two? Definitely. I'm, a, I'm the director of active support. Um, I'm sharing that position with Chiquilin. Happy to do that. Um, I was a director of active support in year one. And, um, and man, I'll be honest with you, I, I think that the job that we've, that we've been doing um, and the stance has been phenomenal, you know. Uh, to me, every time I see a little kid singing, every time I see a woman being passionate about about the club and in the stands and going nuts and and singing their lungs out and, and then you look to the different sections and, and and the more you look the more the time passes by the more people you see passionate about the club i remember at the beginning for people like me they always look at you like oh that guy is crazy what the hell is he doing <laughs> but it takes one crazy person for another hundred to follow like you know? a guy in a guy fox mask <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we see in the north end you know i'm very proud of what we see in the north end so i mean you know director of active support yes what i mean can you kind of dive into your roles like what is what does that entail in charge of the couples decide who the couples are in charge of the drums in charge of the chants all the atmosphere that happens in the north end that's 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 cheeky lean and my and my uh Chiquilin and I, we, we do the homework and we, we decide what is it that... So when you say you decide who the capos are, one thing that LAFC took a stand on last year, which was, I thought, one of the bravest things at the time and now just seems so organic and natural, but it's not something that you see around the rest of the soccer world. You touched on it a little bit, but putting ladies in the capo stand, having women up there to lead those chants... What was that decision-making process like, and, and what led to ultimately something that has become very successful? Definitely. Last year was not easy, I'll be honest with you. There were some guys against it, you know, having just girls in the capital stance for many reasons, not because they were, you know, they were being machistas. It's just that at the end of the day, it's a capital stand that were worried that, that they were not going to be able to follow through. Um, and I took the decision of saying, you know what, no, sorry, guys, get mad at me, do whatever you want, but... It's going to be girls only. So whose know? idea was that? Um, that was my idea. 
to do and that this was for ladies night ladies night that was yeah. the first time that was the first time we had a woman as a couple ever or okay yes it was, it was all women too right but yeah, right yeah. and that was an all women's night but then and then after that though what was the conversation that led to that being a regular thing well nothing led to being a regular thing um l- let me explain to you so lady nights happened right and it's so funny because if you pay attention to it and if you re- if you remember before that night and after that night, there is a precedence. You know, before that night, there was a lot of women out there that they were, uh, like, holding it back. You know, like, oh, what if I go too crazy? You know, what if they judge me? At the end of the day, it's not easy. Listen, being a, being a supporter is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a huge commitment. Part of it is sometimes not even watching the game. And people say, like, what? so what do you go to the stadium for? I, I, go, I, I don't go to watch the game. I go to be part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and... um. So after ladies' night, you can, you you, I, we woke up the 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 crazy passionate supporter inside the woman, you know, and and when I took that decision of having just just a woman on the campus, it's because I believe in them. I know that they had the passion for it, and and like and everything, they just needed a little push. And when it goes to having ca- women couples around the campus, it, it's not because it was because of ladies' night. It's because we see. Regardless of of the sex, if you're if, if you're doing if you're being passionate in the stands, if you're taking it to another level, we invite you to the couple stand. So I know Breezy is probably the most noticeable female couple. How many other female couples do we have? Well, there's only one official female couple. That's uh, Sally. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, Breezy, Breezy, um, she's she's in the in the in, in the path to it, but she's not official oh, okay. uh, an official couple yet. So and Sally is part of uh, D nine, yes. And so, I mean, the role of a couple, right? So for people like me that don't really know much about supporter culture and things like that, like, how do you? What I mean, does a couple stand up there for the whole ninety minutes? No, not necessarily. It's it's a little bit of everything. First of all, you gotta you gotta be able to make people react. You know, react to what's going on 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 the field. React to what you want them to. To sing, it's not an easy task. <laughs> um, you don't have to be there for ninety minutes because also, like for part of my job is to make sure every, everything is fine in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, if there is a fight, sometimes I have to get out of the couple stand and make sure everything is it's okay and and nobody's hurt and and, and help with whatever is going on around the stadium. Um, it's also making sure you know flags are up. I mean, it's, it's it goes above and beyond just being on the couple stand. It's, it's, it's attending the events. It's Making sure whatever you put on social media, um, it's it's positive for the club, and 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 it's not gonna make our team look bad, you know, or 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 your fans. That, that, at least that's what I do. So you're almost like a conductor, exactly. you're orchestrating or yeah, helping we're orchestrating orchestrating. everything that goes in the north end. That's that's one of our biggest um, duties, you know. And at the end of the day, being a cop is, is is taking it above and beyond of any other fan in, in the north end. So you have to be the craziest. The craziest, the loudest, the most passionate, and but then you also have to be calm and you have to learn when to when to be quiet, when to scream, who to scream to. <laughs> you know, everybody's like so. How, different. Like, how do you guys? You know, uh, I felt like I think it was for the Galaxy game, you guys started off with the call to arms, mm-hmm. but that's not the normal Mm-mm. first song. So you changed it, right? Yes. And I'm sure that there have been other games where, you know, you, you changed the order slightly or whatever. Is no. that 
No, it's always the same. So it was just it was just the Galaxy game that was different. That's a strategy. Yes, Uh, for example, like what happened in San Jose. You know, I don't I don't know if you know, but Mm -hmm. we took over San Jose and we decided for the first time ever to stay quiet for four minutes. Right. You know, and when we got up, when the monster got up. You know, it was unbelievable. Well, that was crazy, too, right? Because it was a protest because of the seating. There was no if, protest, no. no. Well, I thought that that was... It was just to prove to them who we were. Yeah. And then and then I, I know that they had stopped the clock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they stopped the... Like, you could watch... There's video of it on YouTube. You can actually watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah, they caught wind of it. Like, 3.30, 3 minutes and 30 seconds, yes. and it stopped for, like, 15 or 20 seconds or something like that. And A little bit longer, but, yeah, you know, and... and what we wanted to show, not not just San Jose, but the rest of the MLS, that we're not a joke. That the passion that you see in the stands is not because we get paid. <laughs> or like now, like the Carson fans are saying, because uh, we pay the guys from River Plate to teach us how to do it. <laughs> okay. No, it's, it's real fans being passionate about a club that represents the city. So that's one of the reasons why we did it in San Jose, because, you know, we wanted to show the MLS who we are for real. Did, did you go to that trip to Borussia? No, I couldn't go. Or to Dortmund, I'm sorry. And, I, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something yeah. about the trip. To me, I, I hate it when people, when they try to give credit to Dortmund for what we built in the North End. No, it was not because of Dortmund. It's, it's because of all the people around that, that have been involved with the supporter culture. For example, Ray, myself, um, we're, we are co-founders of the Independent Supporter Council. And a lot of people is going to know about it after we win the Supporters Show. 2009, with with guys from Seattle, Portland, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Colorado, Salt Lake, Carson, we started the Independent Supporter Council because we we knew it was necessary for the supporter culture in the United States. We needed something that, that it was going to unite us some way, somehow. So if there was any problem uh, with, within that the league, we can all get together. And, and, and be a, a, a strong force against, against whatever was, if there was any, any, any um, for example, the ticketing issues or, or being uh, mistreated by security at one of the stadiums. There's so many things, you know. And so now, is it, not all the MLS team, uh, not all the uh, supporters for every team in the MLS is part of the International Supporter Committee, right? In, uh, Independent. Independent, Independent Supporter, Supporter Council. Co- Council, I'm no, sorry. No, but, but all the teams are represented, including... Um, U.S. USL and women's team, and so then like the new teams that come on, like Louisville's coming on and Austin's coming on, and mm-hmm. it's just they it's just almost like automatic that they know that that's something they should look to join. They they should, yeah. It's beneficial for everybody. That San Jose game was awesome. Most people don't know that was actually Julio's first recording with us for the podcast. Oh, that's was, right. Uh, was on the drive home <laughs> from San Jose with the four that's of us. In the uh, archives. Uh, yeah. It's uh, hidden in the archives where we we forgot to. What did we forget to put the disc? We forgot to press record. What did we do? So many I, beers. We, deep. Pre- we pressed we pressed the wrong button on the recorder. But my wife was gracious enough to hold the phone for those like two hours. So I do have a very dark video with some sound. But it was probably one of the best conversations I had. Um, and that was my our first away game. My wife and I. So it was it was we heard a lot of a lot of stories. And I'm very fortunate to be a part of that trip. 
Yeah, the um, idea for both Julio's appearance today and Ray's previous appearances stemmed from from that amazing conversation yeah. of three hours and many, many, many modelos on the way back from San Jose, <laughs> yes. um, which which someday may see the light of day, but at this point is buried in the archives. Who knows? But, yeah. Um, it's a pleasure to finally have you back on for, for an official podcast with us, Jefe. So, you know, the formation of the 3252 and what we've accomplished now is something that is that is absolutely amazing. But where do you see this growing? How do you see this changing in the next few years? Well, my number one hope is for, for, uh, for the North End, at least, uh, to be faithful, no matter what. You know, right now you go to the LFC fan page and, and we lost one game and it was going nuts. Um, you know, making stupid comments and um, and well, I don't know if that's a lot of thirty-two, fifty-two people on again, that page, but yeah, yeah. So for me, the North End, I, I I want us to be the most faithful supporter supporter group in the MLS, uh, regardless of the score, regardless of who we play. Um, I want to show the world, I and I'm and I'm hoping for a, for a game soon when we play against I don't know America or Chivas or Madrid or Barcelona. And have and played at the Bank of California and show them that our North End is gonna be a hundred percent LFC fans. And not like when you go to Carson and they play Real Madrid and uh, they only have twenty five um supporters in their section or whatever other stadium you go to, like once a, t- a team that that has uh a global presence. A global presence shows up, their supporter section shrinks. You know, and that's something that's why in the North End we do not allow any other club jerseys. So if you bring your club jersey, I'm, we're going to ask you to wear a black shirt or get out of our section. You know, because we want to build that culture. We want to make sure people understand that the North End is sacred and it's only for LAFC when LAFC plays. So when you look back at the North End, what is the one thing you are the most proud of? Um, the fact that we're, that we're able to, to love and hate each other <laughs> When, when it comes to all the groups, because, you know, in the family, you have a, a cousin or uncle that you don't like. But you still have to deal with him because he's part of your family. For us to be able to manage that and, and be able to be together when it comes to supporting the team away, away or at home, that's what I'm more, most proud of. Well, it's I, not an easy task. And I think, it you know, even though supporters may not always see eye to eye and get along, I think that that the supporters do make a, a solid effort to get along because you constantly see, like, co-hosting watch parties, and they're not the same supporters groups that are always co-hosting the same watch parties. It's like a rotation. You know, one weekend it might be Black Army and D9U, and then the next weekend it might be D9U and Armada or Black Army and Crew or or uh, Cuervos or Luckies, and it, they're constantly rotating together, and they're constantly, you know, showing up to events together, you know, or if, like the away games, right? I think that doesn't the supporter groups rotate on which supporters are per- mostly going to the away games or whatever? Like that's, it's, no. no. No? I don't think it's organized. I think it just kind no, of No, away games are away games. Yeah. And, and that, that's another thing that I'm very proud of, you know. Um, at the beginning, telling people, listen, man, you don't, you don't know what, uh, what supporting is until you go to an away game. Yeah. They're like, wait, what are you talking about? I'm like, hey, dude, away days are the best days. What are you talking about? Like, dude, go to to one away game and then you tell me what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and for us to be able to bring m- almost a thousand to Portland, you know, bringing 250 to New York and changing 
the perspective for other supporter groups when we when we visit their stadium, that's powerful. Yeah, that's yeah. the power that we have as a thirty-two fifty-two. Yeah. A lot of compliments. You, you constantly, exactly. You, you constantly hear from other teams when when we have away games about the presence that thirty-two fifty-two had, whether it was two hundred fifty people or you know the thousand in Portland or uh, San Jose was crazy. Fourteen hundred. Yeah. No. So that power all originates ultimately in song, in voice, in chant. So, speaking of which, what is your favorite chant? Somos del Barrio Angelino, definitely. You know, the, the, what, I, I wish I can translate it right now, but I can't. Maybe you guys can help me. Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Here, go, 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 go. So, <laughs> we got Christian here. He, he's bilingual. So I, I know. Pretty, he knows. So, som, somos del barrio Angelino. In English. We are like the neighborhood of. Singing in general. <laughs> so, somos del barrio Angelino. We are the neighborhood of Los Angeles. Yeah. Somos la banda popular. We are the popular group. Cantamos en las buenas y malas. We sing in the good times and the bad. LAFC vengo a alentar. For LAFC, we will always support. What do you ask me for passion? So, why is LA my passion? Because LA is my passion. Yo le alento en el tablón. We sit at the top of the table, right? No, we support him from the stands. Yeah. We support oh, him yeah, from yeah. the stands. Yeah. 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 See? That's, that's why. why. Sentimiento que nace del corazón. A sentiment that I hold within my heart. Right. Y cuando llegue a mi final, when I meet my end, con la banda voy a estar with this group I want to be. Y cuando llegue, haciendo un carnaval. Desde el cielo, haciendo un carnaval. Yes, and then we'll make a carnival in the sky, right? In, in heaven. Yeah. In heaven, yeah. 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 So that's that's my favorite chant because, you know, it, it talks about who we are, you know? We sing in the good and in the bad, and mm -hmm. then, and then for at least I wish when I die, I know I'm gonna be in the north end, so you guys are not gonna are not gonna, are not gonna get rid of me so easy, <laughs> and and that's why I love that chant. You know, it talks about everything that we have built in north end. It's very organic. Like the words, are you know beyond the song. Like it's what you feel when you go to the north end, and if and anyone's lucky enough to you know participate, you will understand that song, even though it's in Spanish. You will feel it. So, yeah, when we have moments like, uh, you know, the Make-A-Wish, whether it's the children and the adults, whether it was Matt Siner or um, why am Joseph, I, Joseph um, you know, this yeah. past weekend, you know, so many people that I spoke to said, you know, oh, I, I dedicated my Somos to them, right? It's like, it's, it's like a thing. It holds so much weight with people, that chant. I mean, every chant, you know, people feel passionate about it. You know, they love Jump for LAFC and, mm -hmm. you know, they love Call to Arms and, and there's so much passion and pride that goes into those things, but I don't think there's as much emotion yeah. in in any chant as there is in Somos because that carries such gravitas, such weight with people within the community. I mean, just, just the discussion of dedicating that performance to someone's life holds meaning within the North End. And for someone that sits in the southwest corner like I do with the banner that says Somos del Barrio Angelino above the North End. I always forget that's behind us. And then, <laughs> you know, the backdrop of the skyline and obviously... In the forefront, we have 3252, and then we have our beautiful team playing beautiful, a beautiful way offensively. To me, that's that's why when I, every time I go to the stadium and sit in my seats, I get these goosebumps, especially when that song comes on. Um, it's a very important aspect of, of my experience, me and my wife and extended family that we, we take and friends, and they all get to feel that. So I think it's a beautiful thing that... Um, Jonathan, you were able to translate that because Terribly. you you took the, <laughs> you, you took the time to understand dude. that. Yeah, 
You, you, I, I don't speak Spanish, by the way, everyone. So apologies <laughs> for my my terrible Spanglish. But uh, no, it was it was perfect. What are you talking about, yeah, man? Yeah, no, those were spot on. It's, it's, it's ultra gringo, you know. I mean, all right, <laughs> so, it is what it is. Let me ask you. You know, you've you've had a plethora of experiences with this club, and you know, you have had so much access and so much availability to be able to go. Whether it's from the very uh, beginning announcement with you and Jose to, you know, being in the war room talking about the name of the club, or I'm sorry, the, the name of the supporters group, and, and to be on the Capo San. So, you know, if you could pick one moment, whether it was a game, an experience, a moment, what is the best moment that you can think that you've had for LAFC? Uh, they, they are, they, all of them are very important, but to me, um, being able to be the Falcon here, I think it was like uh, after that I can I can die in peace, you know, because it was like a recognition for all the, all, everything that that I have put into the club, you know. And I'm just gonna speak about myself because it's not just me. Obviously, there's a lot of people behind me that that have put the same um, commitment, time, um, and uh, and 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 literally part of your life for this club because this club is not two years old. You know, it started in 2014. At the end of 2014, it was actually, you know, next month we celebrate one more birthday and it's five years now. So, you know, being able to be the Falconer, I think, I think it's, it's just, it's just like, like something that, that tells me, that makes me feel good. What, what, at the end of the day, I always say to myself, when I die, I want to make sure I, there, I leave something behind me, you know? And, and when it comes to football culture, which is my life, um, being able, my kids being able to say, you know what? My dad was part of this one since day one. You know, his name is buried under under the the, the center pitch. That was one of his ideas um, to make that happen. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. I, yeah, I'm. I'm uh, we're all three of us. We're all three of us were on that. I mean, uh, thank you for that. You know, the North End. Um, literally, you know, a lot of things that happened with the LAFC. Being able to leave a, a legacy behind, not just for my family, but for the city of Los Angeles. And again, I did not did this myself, but I, I, I do believe that I was a big part of it um, when it comes to everything that you see in the stadium. And, um, and, and being the falconer and, and, and letting, letting Ollie fly, you know, letting Ollie go and, and hearing um, the stance, you know, saying Ole Ole Julio, it, it, to me is like, I can die in peace, you know. I have done my 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 duties with the LFC. That was a beautiful moment. Uh, yeah. So that was a really really passionate answer to that question. But we have we have one more question that is a little bit more important to us, if you don't mind. This no, is no. Uh, the one question of which this entire show is centered about, which this show will always be centered about will always be the most important question we ask. And so it's probably the only question we've asked in every single one of our episodes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, Jefe, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? <laughs> the perfect description of shoulder to shoulder, you see it in the north end. You want to know what shoulder to shoulder is? See it in the south side and listen to the north end. That's all I can say. I, there's, no other, there's no better description than that. Have you ever sat anywhere else in the stadium and seen a game looking at the North End? For for five minutes, yes. Yeah. Where was that? Um, it's funny because um, I went to the press box and 
and uh, we were doing, uh, I think we were in the John Fraley Football Club, and I was crying. She's in North End, you know, going side to side and, and seeing what, what we, we were able to build. And then Omania score. I think that was one of the only goals he scored. And seeing, you know, how passionate the, the, the entire stadium was about the club, it was it was just unbelievable. I, I'm a very, you know, I, I cry a lot, man, because I, I do put a lot of pride and passion and everything to what I do with the LFC. I take a lot of pride on what we have built, you know. And um, and I, I, I still remember the words that I told Tom Payne. He's like, no, I want the, the most passionate fans in the MLS. And so, dude, you think it's going to be easy? Carson... They have, they're the ones with the most championships. They're the ones with the most years in the MLS. And they can even manage to get a thousand season seat holders to be solid season seat holders in their supporters section. How do you think we're going to do it? And, and, and we got together and we worked together. And when I say together, it's with the rest of the people because you know, you people like Sal showing to every single event, Ray, Commander, you know, Fernando. From the Expos, um, Jimmy from Black Army, uh, Joseph from Black Army, um, and just coming out with the ideas and, and and finding the way of doing it how how Tom wanted to be, and right now to see what it is, um, I had an I I I came across Dan Kennedy on Saturday, or Sunday, my bad. Yeah, I still think it's Monday today. Yeah, speaking of Chivas. And speaking of Chivas, but let me the the thing is that. What he told me, you know, and uh, and just he came up to say, you know what, Julio, man, what you guys have here is it's unbelievable. I never thought I was going to experience this in the MLS. It's incredible. And if there's someone that 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 deserves what's going on right now, it's you two guys, because Jose was with me. I know how passionate you guys are. I know that you guys have a lot a lot to do, or or are very involved with what, with what has happened with LAFC and I'm I'm so proud of you guys and I'm so happy for you guys and and this guy he was tearing up you know and for for an ex player that I think he's doing a podcast for Carson right yeah. now right I know well, it, he does no? it's believe he does believe podcast okay. yeah. it's Dan Kennedy he covers and... both both teams yeah. that's fine yeah. I, yeah. I don't have yeah. a problem with that no, you know, Anthony Russell was working with them and now he's working with us sure so you know hearing that from him that that's that's what that's that's what like oh, that's what what makes you realize what we have built you know and and those are some of the proud proud moments. Yeah. Wow, that's those are great answers. Um, so I think that that about wraps us up, boys. Um, so be sure to follow Julio. Uh, what's your social media tag for anyone who wants to follow you? El Chiva Mayor. El Chiva Mayor. That's easy <laughs> enough. Um, please subscribe and listen to uh, Somos LAFC podcast. If you habla the Espanol, hopefully. I te encargo. Much, I te encargo. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, much better than I do. Um, uh, I have tried to listen, Jefe. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It, is, it is beyond it's my right, ability man, I, to understand. I'm gonna do one in ninja just for you, man. Bro, I'm I would try my best. I would love that. I think cargo is a good segment. I think cargo. I think cargo. ¿Cómo se dice I think cargo en inglés? In English, it would be. But what would be the expression I te encargo? I'll, I'll leave this to you, or it's up to you, almost. Like, yeah. I, I'll leave this to you to bring up or to discuss. There you go. Yeah. So I think I'll yeah. listen to it. Yeah. And and if you guys don't mind, I just want to say something. You know, for all, the, all of the listeners, LFC fans, you know, it, it's, not, it's not easy to build what we have. Let's take care of it, you know. Um, it's, it's, it sucks when, when you see people fighting in the stands, regardless of the section. Uh, don't forget that when you're wearing the LFC shirt, or hat or logo or colors 
you're representing all of us. Take pride in that because we have worked so hard for it to be what it is. So let's not mess it up. You know, it's funny. I I sometimes think before I do something on the freeway, oh, wait, there's an LAFC sticker on the back of my car. <laughs> I don't want that person to think differently of LAFC. Or, you know, I'm wearing the hat today. If they look over and they, they're honking and giving me the bird and they see that LAFC hat, like I don't – I like it actually – I think about it and it actually stops me from driving aggressively sometimes I like cool back and I'm like oh it's okay right <laughs> so like LAFC has literally changed the way I drive just because I believe so much in the sense of community around this club so we couldn't echo those statements enough from all of us here at the show uh, if you want to give us a follow you can follow us at LAFC S2S on behalf of my co-host Christian and Chris always keeping it down sound engineer Wilton making us sound good today um, and the legend himself Alchiva Mayor Julio thank you Jefe so much for coming on and with that Take us home, Sticks. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.